Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am Sean, and this is my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio today. And we are super excited to share with you what we learned at the Hormones and Beyond Conference last week in Albuquerque, New Mexico. They've actually changed the name of the conference to the Academic Summit. And the reason they've done that is because it's more than just hormones. Uh, We learned about brain health. We learned about cardiovascular health. And of course, hormones play a very important role in that. Um, One thing that Janet really wanted to discuss today was metabolic disease and metabolic syndrome which is a pretty broad category of disease that people get labeled as. And we're going to talk about some of the sub-diseases underneath that, what, what it means when you have metabolic syndrome. So with that being said, I am going to just take it over to Janet and have her talk a little bit about metabolic syndrome. Right. So metabolic syndrome really has a big umbrella. But basically what happens is that your body is under inflammation chronically. So it can attack um, different organs and different um, ways in everybody's body. But the underlying theme to what is happening is that we are under a chronic state of unhealthy behavior as well as unhealthy um, sugar levels and um, cholesterol and a whole thing all put together. Um, but what was very impactful for me at this conference is the fact that our health matters so early in our life that before we even realize that we have a diagnosis or even these symptoms are showing up in our lives, that they're kind of under bubbling and and they're there. And so um, what I took away from this conference is that our health matters super early, like ASAP, like in our mother's womb, mm-hmm. as well as as we are growing up, even and, before, and, right, before. prior to birth or or even conception, and what what I my biggest takeaway was is that the healthier you can be at the youngest age you can be and throughout your entire life is really important because those little things really do matter. And it's things that we talk about on our podcast all the time. But my biggest takeaway was, is that all of this is preventable. And we don't talk about this very often, um, as far as in our traditional healthcare system that we have. And so, you know, what's so impactful for me is that many people can change their course of life and their trajectory by taking charge of their own responsible part of their health. And so we wanted to talk about those things because that's part of what our show is about, our podcast is about, is that we want to inform people and empower people. And it really makes a difference. Um, those little decisions that we make every single day impact us long-term in many significant ways. And so um, I don't know, Sean, if you want to start into that segue a little bit with me about... Yeah. Well, what I want to discuss is about metabolic syndrome. I think maybe some of you do know what it is, maybe some of you don't. Um, but let's just talk about some of the diseases that are really related to metabolic syndrome. So... First of all, you can usually see somebody that has metabolic syndrome. You can look at them and you can visualize them. You can say, yeah, they're metabolically unhealthy. They have metabolic syndrome. Typically, what does that mean? Central obesity. 
They're, they've got a lot of weight right around the middle, central obesity. And um, so what are some labs that are going to show? So not just visual, but what are some labs that are going to show? So um, high blood glucose, possibly. And later on in life, probably for sure. But early on, no. And here's what, if there's one thing I can, I took away from the conference, I already knew it, but it just reiterated it. Um, the lab that is most important to be testing for type 2 diabetes, because metabolic syndrome leads to type 2 diabetes, the lab that is most important, some might think uh, blood sugar, fasting blood sugar. Some might think hemoglobin A1C. Right. The problem with those are is that some people will have normal blood sugars for many, many years because their pancreas is still working. Their pancreas is overproducing insulin. So you'll have a lot of insulin to respond to those high blood glucoses. So it'll keep your blood glucose um, um, lower initially, but eventually your pancreas you know, taps out and says, I can't do it anymore. I just can't produce that much insulin. Or they just... the it just can't produce that much insulin because the insulin levels have to get so high because you're insulin resistant. So metabolic syndrome and insulin resistance goes hand in hand usually. So right. if there's one lab that you can get checked and most traditional doctors do not check this, most insurance companies don't pay for it, of course. And one of the reasons why is because the standard of treatment for type 2 diabetes is what is your glucose and how do we lower that? And of course, we lower that with drugs, right? Well, that's really not the best way to lower your glucose. Yes, drugs are necessary, especially for type 1 diabetics, but we're talking about type 2 diabetics that have insulin resistance. Typically, so type 1 diabetics, they'll have low insulin. They're not making insulin. That's part of the problem. So you've got to give them exogenous insulin. Type 2 diabetes, Early on in life, before they have high glucoses, they will have high insulin. Right. So if there's one lab you want to get checked, and does, regardless of if you're – who cares if your insurance company doesn't pay for it, um, you need to get your insulin level checked. Not just your fasting blood glucose, not just your A1C, but your insulin level. That is really a sign of how healthy you are. How, how much insulin does your body need? Here's a good example. So typically in endurance athletes, I'm one of those, your glucose is, my glucose runs high. It runs pre-diabetic level. That's why we need to treat patients, not labs. My glucose runs high because I burn it. My body says, okay, Sean, you need high glucose because you are going to be riding your bike for three hours today. So we're going to keep your glucose high so you can burn through that glucose. But my insulin levels are super low. I don't need a lot of insulin release to burn my glucose because I'm burning it myself through exercise and through muscle mass. So that's another thing that's really, really important that I took away from this conference. Um, metabolic disease, metabolic syndrome um, also includes low muscle mass. If you, if you want a healthy body, you need toned muscles. You need lean body mass to help burn calories, to help um, support your structure, Janet, you were going to say something. Go ahead. Yeah, I was. So herein lies what the problem really looks like on the cellular level is that you may have insulin and you may have this sugar that's sitting around, but your body just can't handle it. It doesn't know what to do with it. So what we do is end up storing it and then your body turns into this chronic inflammation. And why this is so bad is that we start storing more fat. So you have this 
compounding problem. And it starts early before you ever have a diagnosis, right? And it doesn't just stay in our muscle or our vis- in our organs, but it also goes to our brain. It also causes inflammation in our brain. So um, when we're talking about metabolic, you know, one of the things that the conference was uh, addressing is Alzheimer's is like type three diabetes. It's it's the new diabetes. Well, it's really not. What the problem is is that we don't know how to handle the nutrients that our body needs in the appropriate way. And so it's causing damage to our brain tissue. So it's not just, you know, one place in our body. It's not just our kidneys. It's not just our heart. It's our our whole entire body starts having an inflammation process. And and you can see these um, people that have metabolic syndrome possibly and that inflammation, even if they're thin. Right. You can see you can see that underlying inf- inflammation if you start looking at them. One of the things that um, it is is we call it skinny fat. So we've actually had Dr. Sean Amara on our podcast. Look up previous podcasts and just inside our YouTube channel, um, look up Dr. Sean Amara or visceral fat. And he talks about the importance of lowering your visceral fat. We call these people that have a lot of visceral fat, but they don't have a lot of um, external fat, sub-Q fat, subcutaneous fat. We call them skinny fat. So their organs are surrounded by visceral fat, which is very easily inflamed, very easily um, oxidized, and then it can cause lots of problems with oxidation, whether it be myocardial infarction, heart attack, or um, stroke. Um, And so it's important to lower that visceral fat. So Janet, what are some ways that we can lower visceral fat? Well, first of all, um, if we look at some of the things that we've talked about on our podcast, um, we have to address all the lifestyle issues. And then we have to make sure that we are sleeping correctly because if you're not sleeping, you're not healing, your body's in a state of inflammation. So, you know, late nights, um, not getting enough sleep repetitively, is it's a problem. It needs to be addressed. Diet needs to be addressed. Exercise needs to be addressed. And then we need to make sure that we have the proper balance of hormones. And that starts very early in life. And for young women, we are throwing estrogen at them in forms of birth control pill, which I totally understand. But we need to address it very early in life because by the time we get to the doctor's office and he says, oh, you're pre-diabetic or you have hypertension or you have cholesterol, we're behind the eight ball. It's not like we can't correct things, but my whole point is is, it's preventable. So whether you are someone who's very thin, but you have low muscle mass, there are things along the way that we can do in our whole ourselves before we get to a doctor to make sure that we are healthy. And I think that was that that in itself is very important to me because I'd rather you not be on um, anything if we can help it if you are living healthy. Um, but the long-term results, um, a lot of times we have to jump in there with hormone replacement. And um, so the first place would be to, to make sure that all of our hormones are balanced and that includes insulin. That includes estradiol, that includes testosterone, progesterone, DHEA. Um, what am I missing? Um, that's it for yeah. the hormones. I mean, okay. let's let's talk about other ways you can lower yeah. visceral fat other than hormones. 
Um, resistance training. Right. We, we've talked about it over and over again, and I cannot stress the importance of resistance training. What is resistance training? Well, it just it, what it says it is. Lift weights. You lift something that's heavy. And I, I, there's many different ways that you can do this. You can do it with dumbbells. You can do it with kettlebells. You can do it with barbells. Or you can do it with resistance bands. I think resistance bands are a great tool because you can travel with them. You don't need a fancy gym. Um, it still works the same way. And include it in just body weight. Resistance exercise, doing body weight squats. That is resistance exercise. Doing jumps, just doing body weight squats with a jump is resistance exercise. So what does that help do? It helps to maintain and even grow lean body mass. And remember, as we age, it's more difficult to gain lean body mass. Right. So in general... The more that you can pack on the earlier in life, the better. Because lean body mass helps to promote um, calorie burn. It helps to, to support our structures. If you want to decrease injury, you will have strong muscles um, to protect your bones, to protect your joints, to protect your ligaments. Um, also, resistance training is going to help to support um, decrease uh, visceral fat. What are some other ways we can decrease visceral fat? Intense exercise. Not walking. I'm not saying walking is not bad or is bad. Um, but intense exercise is what really burns visceral fat very well. So interval training, whether it be sprinting, sprinting and then walking, sprinting, then walking. You know, So you sprint for 20 seconds, 30 seconds, and you walk for two minutes. That, that is a great way to exercise and stimulate burning of, or um burning of visceral fat. Um, and you can do many other different forms of intense training, whether it be, you know, Tabata, whether it be HIIT training, whatever the best example is. We've got, you know, it, link in our co comment on our video and we can give you some um, ideas or some videos about resistance tra interval training that might be appropriate to help burn visceral fat. So start with something. Yeah, th that's it. Don't make it complicated. Yeah. We get that all the time. It's like, well, what should I start, start with? Well, with what are you something. doing now? You're doing nothing? Okay, just start walking 10 minutes yeah. a day. That's it. And As schedule it. Right. So the other thing that we talk about on our show is, you know, exercise is super important, but the recovery of that exercise is where actually we rebuild and build and add on to our muscle. So proper sleep etiquette is really super important. And we've talked about that many times, but the hormone that I missed was, and we don't usually test this, but melatonin mm. is um, super important. And that is the hormone that is really off in teenagers. That's why they can't wake up in the morning. Or if you're traveling from, you know, place to place or having a night shift and you're just, just off. Um, melatonin is very helpful. It's over the counter. It's something that we can do. So if you're not sleeping well um, and you have your other hormones balanced, it could be things like melatonin, vitamin D was the other one. We really shouldn't call vitamin D uh, a vitamin. It's really a hormone. And if your levels are low, it's super uh, important to your immune system. And, you know, we're talking cardiovascular and diabetes and Alzheimer's, but let's back up and also look at what about cancers? What about cancer, Sean? What do you think about if we're metabolic and we're inflammation? And yeah, so our, our cancer is um, a lot like infections. And I know over the last few years, we've dealt with many different viruses that, um, and we've been told that 
you know, we need to have a strong immune system. And that is very important with cancer too. We get, we get bombarded by cancers all day long. Um, but it's also important, you know, that we um, have a strong immune system in order to fight off things that um, could cause cancer. And, and the best way to do that is to exercise, sleep, and good diet. Right. And if you're metabolically unhealthy, you are not going to have a strong immune system and eventually you will get sick more and eventually you, you are susceptible to cancer. Yes, I said it. Metabolically unhealthy is going to make you susceptible to, to, to more cancers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and vitamin D is very important with that too, to, to keep our immune system strong. There's been many studies to show that vitamin D does help to prevent many different types of cancer. People that are low on vitamin D have a high, a higher rate of cancer. Now you just can't take vitamin D and, and forget about the rest of the things still sleep, exercise, nutrition are very, very important. And we've talked about it before, but I'm going to reiterate it out of those, the most important thing for your body in general to be healthy. It's not exercise. It's not um, nutrition. It's actually sleep. If we do not have proper sleep, we will not get stronger. We will not recover. uh, We won't have a strong immune system. And it's important to note that we will die without sleep before we'll die without food. Those are just facts. So so strong immune system, um, sleep, exercise, diet, uh, it looks like we have a question, Steph. You want to, uh, Julie Meyer? I just had a hysterectomy, fifty years old, and a shift worker. I'm ready to start working out. I'm gonna, Julie Meyer. I just started a hysterectomy. I just had a hysterectomy, fifty years old, and a shift worker. I'm ready to start working out, and there is so much misinformation out there. It is so intimidating. Absolutely, Julie. Um, I would love to off off air get some more details. I'm assuming they kept your ovaries, but at your age, I'm assuming your ovaries probably weren't working as well as they used to, so you weren't producing a lot of hormones. Those are questions that I would ask you. But you did have a hysterectomy, or you did stop cycling, or your cycles did start um, decreasing, which also means that you have less progesterone, you have less testosterone, you have less estradiol. Janet, tell us about testosterone and women and visceral fat. So we always overlook testosterone in women because we have put it out there that it's a male sex hormone. And really, it's it's produced by our ovaries and we produce it for our health um, and have always done that as women. Um, so the way it helps us is it keeps um, our our muscle mass to be healthy because we need uh, good lean muscle mass. Um, it helps with our brain because it helps with our mood. It helps prevent depression. Um, it helps maintain good bones and healthy bones. And as we start going through changes after we have um, our childbearing age, of course, we start into that that phase of not building as strong bone as we should. And testosterone helps with that as well, as well as our sexual functions of libido. So many things there it, it covers. But for the muscle part, we need lean muscle mass so we don't have the visceral fat. So lean muscle actually burns more energy and burns more calories. And so when we're exercising, that um, helps it. It's not like we're going into the bodybuilding stage. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about good levels. And how that helps us is on many folds. It helps our brain. It helps our muscle. It helps our 
preventing um, too high of sugar levels because our tissue is, is burning that energy. So we're not going to have the inflammation. So overall health, it does a lot of benefits for us. Uh, Steph, go ahead and stream her next question. She has another question. They took your ovaries. Okay, so um, I'm going to guess also. So first of all, they took your ovaries. And um, first of all, also, thank you for wanting to work out. That's the most important thing that you can do. One of the most important things. Um, so it's very, very important that you do work out. I think we should, you know, resistance train and have intense workouts the rest of our life. And that that all varies on what those what the level of intensity is depending on on each individual. So they took your ovaries. I'm assuming your cycles were becoming more irregular because you're in your 50s. So your ovaries weren't producing as much hormones as they were when you're in your 30s. Um, but essentially when they, especially when it's a young woman and they take her ovaries, and we hear sometimes women that are in their 20s and they take their ovaries. Um, a lot of times it's unnecessary. Um, it's because they had painful periods or whatever. And that's usually a sign of low progesterone and you don't need to take out a whole bunch of body parts to fix that. You need to, need to give progesterone. So once they took your ovaries, Julia, you had no hormones whatsoever. Your ovaries were not no hormones, but no sex hormones. Your ovaries were not producing hormones anymore. So you lost any estradiol that they were producing, any progesterone and any testosterone. And let's just talk about that because I'll bet you your doctor, I don't know what doctor you went to, but I bet your doctor talked to you about estrogen estradiol. They didn't talk to you about testosterone. They didn't talk to you about progesterone. Janet, tell us about how important progesterone is um, when it comes to balancing a woman's hormones. Well, progesterone is not the same as medroxyprogesterone and Provera or progestins and birth control pills. Right. So let's make sure that we aren't comparing the two because that is clearly a big problem with our healthcare industry right now is that we don't know the difference in the definition of hormones. Progesterone is the hormone that maintains a pregnancy. It also helped with maintaining your cycles. When it disappeared, you went into your cycle and had your menses. But it also says, hey, let's build new bone cells. Hey, let's make sure our estrogen is balanced. Let's make sure that... Um, Brain. We, right. Like, let's make sure that things are, are even and across the board and they're, they're healthy. It also helps with our skin, nails, and things like that. But the hormone itself is a messenger, so it gives the body a message. And if you don't have these hormones in your body, then you just you're surviving and you're going from from moment to moment. It also, when I say balances hormones, if you have um, too high of estrogen to progesterone in your system, it helps to balance that. So we don't have unhealthy levels in our body, which can cause symptom side effects right. like. Um, uterine fibroids, right. which many women have had unnecessary hysterectomies because they had uterine fibroids. Um, also painful periods, right. they which are usually unnecessary because you can fix them with um, progesterone. Um, so, yeah. and progesterone, don't forget about progesterone sleep. and sleep. sleep. It's, a, it's a neurohormone. It is metabolized into 5-allopregnitolone, which is a neurohormone which helps to modulate cortisol and and. GABA, which is an inhibitory um, neurotransmitter and helps to calm us down. So anytime a woman has any kind of sleep issues, first thing I'd recommend is progesterone. Um, and many women will say they sleep better the first night. And we talked about how important sleep is. If you're not sleeping, you're not going to get better. So if you're having hot flashes, you're having night sweats, you need to be sleeping. And that's usually a hormonal issue. Don't let 
doctors tell you that you need an antidepressant um, for your hot flashes. Uh, that's not fixing the problem. That's treating a symptom. So, Janet? Well, okay. So we talked about a little bit about sex hormones and we, we all know what estrogen and we've talked about estrogen, but don't forget as we age thyroid because uh, active thyroid is super important to metabolism. And if you don't have a high metabolism or regular metabolism, um, that's not going to be very helpful either. And especially the T3 part, which is lyothyronine. Um, lyothyronine helps our body to keep and maintain energy, but that's going to help burn fat as well. Yeah, especially this visceral fat, Um, you know, the the two hormones that really burn visceral fat are thyroid, mostly lyothyronine, T3, like Janet said, and testosterone. Um, Those are the ones that burn visceral fat. And those are also important when we talk about um, cholesterol. You know, we always talk about cholesterol and how it causes cardiovascular disease and all this. Well, that's a topic for a whole other subject, which I've talked about on our podcast. You can search in our YouTube channel under cholesterol, and there'll be a whole series of videos that come up about cholesterol. But thyroid and testosterone help to lower cholesterol. And they do it better than a drug that only works in one step, like the statins, only works in in the rate-limiting step of cholesterol since it's the HMG choreodectase inhibitors. They limit that step to, per, per, to produce cholesterol. When you lower your visceral fat with testosterone or thyroid, it actually stops the cholesterol from being produced in the first place in a good way. It lowers the cholesterol in a good way, not just in a stopping cholesterol production um, in one rate-limited step. Janet? So I guess what our biggest takeaway is that no matter what age you're at, there there's hope. There's ways we can correct. There's ways we can prevent. And um, the tools that are available now are so much bigger because we actually have access to the internet. We have lots of things on YouTube and, and places there. But, you know, take care of the things that you can do at home first, because I think being accountable to yourself about being responsible for your own health at all stages of life is super important. If you plan to have children, make sure you're healthy before you do, if you can, because that prevents um, diseases down the road. And really the sad thing about it is right now in our healthcare industry, we focus on sick. We don't focus on prevention. And a lot of the things that are happening to our, our population in the cardiac cardiac uh, field, as well as diabetes, as well as cancer, as well as Alzheimer's. There's so many things that we could do in our day-to-day lives that would make us healthier without having to spend a lot of money. It's just choices and decisions that we do in our day-to-day living. And I think that's the most empowering part is we can take back our healthcare and our, our, our country by not having to be sick by preventing that sickness if we can. And I know that things happen in life to people, but we we are the ones that can take charge of this before we ever have to walk through the door for a physician or a nurse practitioner to take care of us. 85% of disease can be prevented. Um, we see it time and time again. Look, look at look at the diseases in our healthcare system, um, type 2 diabetes, sleep apnea, um, um, heart attack. A heart attack on strokes, cardiovascular disease, number one killer in America, kills somebody every 36 seconds, largely preventable. Um, so, you know, the blood pressure medications, cholesterol medications, those are things that if you take care of your body, you probably don't need to be on. Our goal of this podcast, as it always has been at Moseley Professional Pharmacy for almost 24 years now, is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. 
Um, you are in charge. There is not some some insurance company, some policy that you can buy that is that is good insurance for your health. No. The best insurance you have for your health is taking care of yourself already. I wrote a book about it. It's called Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. And there's a six-step solution in that book. And the first step is to take charge of your own health. And that is the goal of our podcast is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health because that's the only way you can really stay out of the sick care system. You want to stay healthy yourself. So um, as we wind this podcast up, Janet, how do you want to end this podcast? What's one tip? You, well, you've given a lot of tips today. What's one thing that you took away from the conference that you want to give our listeners and viewers? Well, I think the most fascinating thing to me is that it's what Sean and I have been saying for a long time and what we learned over the years working in healthcare is that the individual needs to have the power to make decisions and you are the best decision maker to your own health. And that means taking care of you and learning those things along the way is a process, but take one step at a time. And to become the best you can be is really in your shoes and, and there's tools out there, but educate yourself and then go forward. We all make mistakes. We all have to step back and say, hey, maybe that wasn't what I needed to do. Maybe I need to do something different. But there's many things that you can do before you ever get across that line. And so that's the cool thing about um, this conference was that, you know, it was just reinforcing some of the things that we've been talking about for years is that you're in charge of your body, your mind, and, you know, do it, do it for yourself. Love yourself. Um, Steph, will you stream Julia's question again, please? I want to read it one more time. Um, Okay. And Julia, you're also a shift worker. One thing I want you to do, Julia, is go to our YouTube site, the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy YouTube site. And I actually interviewed Rob Wolf. He's a renowned um, biochemist, talks a lot about diet and sleep and how important they are. We had a uh, almost a one-hour um, um, podcast on just how important sleep is. One thing to say, one thing to talk about is that... Um, you know, shift workers came up and we are meant to work during the day, period. And, you know, we're diurnal creatures. We're meant to work during the day. We're not to meant to work late at night. And he talked about the CDC um, talking about um, how shift workers um, have a higher incidence of cancer because of their lack of sleep. So, Julia, reach out to us. Thank you for commenting today. We really appreciate it. Reach out to us with more questions and I will comment um, more um, as I get off the podcast. So one thing that I learned and I want to just reiterate, insulin, get your insulin level checked. No matter what age you are, get your fasting insulin level checked. And if your doctor doesn't know about fasting insulin, educate them. Um, if you're, if you need more uh, information on that, please let us know. Uh, and I can give you more information. Um, as always, I thank you for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Let me see who we have up Thursday. I did want to say that we went to a conference over the weekend called, um, it was called Heart to Heal, Heart to Heal Ministry Conference. And it had Dr. Ryan Cole, who's a good friend of mine. He's out of Idaho. Um, I've met him before. And he's actually been on our podcast and we had Dr. Peter McCullough. Dr. Peter McCullough, just Google him. I'm not going to talk about the topic right now because I don't want to get censored, um, but he is going to be on our podcast. I'm super excited. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast. 
Um, oh, it's been almost a year ago now, December of last year, and he had over 50 million views. So stay tuned for Dr. Peter McCullough to be on Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. And let me see who we have coming up. I should know this, and I don't. I think it's Wednesday. And we have... DeLon Cantonberry, he's a fellow pharmacist. I've had a lot of pharmacists on lately, and I just find a lot more that have some of the same values that we do. And I, and I love that there more pharmacists come out of the woodworks that, that believe that medications aren't the answer. And that's what we learn about. But, you know, Jan and I have preached over and over again. We don't believe medications are the answer to long-term disease. So stay tuned. I think he's on, is he on at eight or nine? I think he's on at, um, yeah, 8 a.m., our typical midweek podcast, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It will be Wednesday. Um, uh, usually it's on a Thursday, but tune in 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time Wednesday. And DeLon Cantonberry, you don't want to miss this. If you're on any medications for chronic disease, high cholesterol, hypertension, any disease that's chronic disease, you don't want to miss this because he's going to talk about how he helps patients and doctors de-prescribe medications that means get off medications. And yes, it's a and it's possible. Many of those diseases are reversible. So tune in. Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you all for tuning in today. 